But we're, what we're going to do is we're going to do a, like a popcorn preach. I'm going to preach for about 15 minutes. And then Brother Kevin is going to come preach for us to, uh, to us for about 15 minutes. But uh, I don't have a watch. So, uh, so uh, we'll just, Stacy, you got my time. And let me know when I've got about five minutes left. And I'll uh, know, let me know when I've got about a minute left for real. And uh, I, I thank each and every one of you for tuning in tonight. I see yeah, there's folks online watching. And uh, thank you all so much for tuning in with us tonight. Psalms chapter number 57. Psalms chapter 57. Let's turn there in our Bibles. And uh, we've got that there. And uh, we're going to jump right into the text. David uh, is the author of this text here in Psalms 57. David is fleeing from the, from the king Saul and in fear of his life. And this is a, a prayer that uh, David has in his life. And uh, so he's praying before God, but it's in the midst of, a, in the time of trouble. And I think that if we can apply it to today's, what's going on today with the, with the coronavirus and, and all that's taking place in many cities across our country and, and even evident tonight, there's, we're not, uh, we don't have a lot, we don't have people here with us tonight. We're all online. And so it, it is different. It's causing things to be a little bit different. It's uh, in, in America and all across the world. So we've got our Bibles open to Psalms chapter 57. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. David says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings I will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God, most high unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. As we look at this text in verse number 1 through 6 is, David's request to God. David asking God for something. In verse number one, verse number two, verse number three is where we'll take our text from tonight. But if you'll notice here, just by way of introduction, he says twice in this spot, he needs help. He says, merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. Merciful is is much like the word mercy. God's mercy needed on, on, day, on David. He's asking God to have mercy on him. And so as we look at this text tonight, no, we need God's mercy upon us. Mercy upon us. Now, now what is taking place in America today and all across the world, do we not need God's mercy on us? Grace is, uh, is uh, unmerited favor. Mercy is withholding something I deserve. A payment, punishment for my sin, punishment for my wrong, punishment for the difficulties that I've gone through, uh, difficulties that I've done against God. God's withholding, and David is asking for God's mercy. That's right. 
The Bible says in Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 13 is a text where Jesus is referencing a man, two different men standing in the standing and praying. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 10, he talks about one man who stands here and brags about all that he's done and, and the things that he's accomplished and all the things that he's done. And then the Bible says in the public in verse 13 in Luke, and the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right. So many times I fear that we go to God and say, and here is my list. This is what I need. This is what I've got. This is what I, and we begin to give God a list of all these things that we, that we think we need rather than going to God and say, be merciful to me. God, would you, would you please have mercy on me before you grant any of my requests? Yeah. See, what David went to God for was he needed help, but before he asked God for help, he asked God for mercy. Right? Wow. To me, that's convicting. Amen. To me, as I look at my life and I look at my prayer time with God, I, I fear that too many times I go before God and I don't say, God, I need your mercy. God, I have my list. Here's this, here's this, here's this. And we begin to make our list of things that we need. But ultimately, before we go to God and we go to pray, we need to pray for God's mercy. Amen. God's mercy. God's mercy. His prayer time to God when he was in trouble, I believe, is the exact same thing that we need today. Yeah. Right now. What do we need today? We want a cure for the yeah. virus. Yeah. We want something to take care of it. But I'm going to tell you, it's not going to, it's not going to come from the government. It's not going to come from the higher powers. It's going to come from God. We want help for our country. We want help for our, this world. It's going to come from God. Have mercy upon us, oh God. But too many times, now here's my list. By way of introduction, how is your prayer time? Yeah. How is your time with God? <coughs> oh God, heal, heal us of this, of this coronavirus. Do this, do this, do this. God have mercy on me. Amen. I see number one, and this is my this is a simple point, and I'll be done. Number one, this text teaches me that how much time do I have left? No. This text teaches me that I need total dependence on God. Number one, David learned in this text that he needed total dependence on God. Total. Dependence on God. Psalms 57, verse number 1. Watch what it says. He says, be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me for my soul. Right? My soul. What is in me? What is within me? He says, my soul trusteth in thee. For my soul trusteth in thee. At the very latter end of verse number 1, he said, use these until these calamities be overpassed. The word calamity means misfortune or misery, right. event, a disaster. Would you not agree that may, we are in this point?
Lord today, do we not have calamities all around right. us? Do we not have misfortune? Do we not have miseries? Do we not have events and disasters taking place? We need God to be merciful unto us. Yep. But it's not going to take place until we put our soul and our trust in God. Amen. David said, My soul trusteth in thee. <coughs> Is that not where we are today? When we trust the Savior, See what takes place is, David said, when we trust the Savior, look at, continue to read verse number one. He said, for my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings. See, David said, I can find refuge, I can find shelter in the shadow of thy wings. Because he said, in the shadow of thy wings, I will make my refuge. I will make my refuge. Do you know what refuge means? Refuge means a shelter or a protection from danger and distress. Right. And the Bible says, David says, God, hey, would you would you help me? Would you would you if I trust you, I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna hide in the shadow of your wings. As God covers us with his wings, that's God protecting us. Amen. God protecting us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 23 and verse number 37, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, ye would not. See, what happens is a chicken, I've never raised chickens much that I remember of. But a chicken, a mother hen will protect her chicks as they, as, they depend, or as they depend on her for protection. And she covers them with her wings. Amen. Much like the Savior does when we trust in Him. He will take us and He will protect us under His wings. We will find protection. We'll find safety. We'll find refuge there under his wings. That's right. David said, God, be merciful. Be merciful to me because I depend completely on you. Amen. He said, my soul, my soul <coughs> trusteth in thee. So not only does he say, I, I need total dependence on God. Well, I don't want to watch because of his total dependence on God, he's depending on God to shadow him with his wings. Because of his total dependence on God, verse 2, <coughs> I will cry unto God, most high unto God, that performeth all things for who? Me. For me. Amen. My God will perform all things for me. Amen. Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Me. Amen. Bible says in verse number two that God performeth all things for me. There's many things that will take place in my life that God is doing it for me. So that I will trust in him and he will perform them the way that God wants them to be done. Luke 22 and verse 37 says, Jesus said, 
for the things concerning me have an end. What does that mean? I'm almost done. My time's up. My wife's back there waving at me. For the things concerning me have an end. What does that mean? That means everything has an end. Yeah. Everything has a beginning and everything has an end. Life has a beginning. Life has an end. This, what's taking place, has a beginning. And it also has an end. Right. And it will end. But you notice verse number three. See, David depended on God so much. David depended on God so much. In verse number three, he says, He shall send from heaven and save me. See, David believed so much that God would protect him from King Saul. So much that God would protect him from everything that was going on. And they were seeking him. They were trying to kill him. They were trying to do things to David. And David said, God is protecting me under his wing. But I'm believing and trusting in him so much he will save me. Amen. <coughs> he was believing in something that was not taking place at that moment. He was believing in something that would take place in, year, in a year to come. Or maybe longer. But David believed that God would save him. Then also this. David also says that God would save him. And then he says God shall send forth his mercy Amen. and truth. Amen. Well, where's God's mercy at now? You won't see it right now. You may not see it right now, but by the end, there will be God's mercy. Amen. And his truth will be made known. So in the midst of all this, we need total dependence on God. Because you and I both know we don't know the end. And we can't know the end. But if we put our full trust in God, God knows the end. I'm going to pray. Brother Kevin's going to come preach for us. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put our total dependence on God. I thank you, God, for everything you've done for me. In spite of me. We love you. And in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that a blessing? Take your Bibles to Nahum. The book of Nahum, chapter number one. Nahum chapter one. What a blessing it was to know about God's mercy, His goodness. And uh, I'm going to spin right off the end of that. And I'm going to be preaching this, this, this afternoon, this evening, um, about just some of the characteristics of God. Let me just take a couple moments here and lay the groundwork uh, for this passage of Scripture in the book of Nahum. Many of you, if I was to say Nahum, I says, who did he prophesy to? Very few of us would know. But Nahum is not near as popular or not near as famous but Nahum preached about 100 to 150 years uh, to the city of Nineveh, much like Jonah did. When Jonah preached there, the whole city got right. And it was the capital of Assyria. The Assyrian army is the one that took over the northern kingdom during the divided kingdom days and was later, uh, was later conquered by the Babylonian Empire. <coughs> this passage of Scripture we're going to read is a message that, John, that uh, Nahum had for the city of Nineveh and for the country of Assyria. 
And this message shows us uh, the characteristics of God in many areas. And there's one verse here we're going to be we'll be looking at, and many times this might be the only verse that many people would read out of for this text. But Nahum is telling Nineveh that God has had enough. They've had their chance. They got right. And now they have fallen back into idolatry. They have fallen into, into paganism. They have fallen into heathenism. They have fallen into wickedness. And to just plain old everyday meanness. Now he has, uh, he has, God has had patience with them because they've had time. They've had the truth. Yet they've turned back. So I'm going to read a few verses here from Nahum chapter number 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshire, shite. And he begins to talk about God. He says, God is jealous, and the Lord revenges. The Lord revenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up the rivers of Bashan languages and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon and languages. The mountains quake at him and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwelleth therein. Who can stand before the indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His furious pout poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Now if we stopped right there, we would say, my goodness. What destruction is right. coming. Yep. But the next verse says, The Lord is good. Amen. A stronghold in the day of trouble. Amen. And he knoweth them that trust in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this chance to pray. God, I beg you tonight, Lord, that your people would have their ears open and their hearts ready. Not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. Lord, I pray as we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, help us to never forget whatever goes on in our lives, whatever happens with this terrible thing that's been going around, whether it be financial equation, whether it be illness, or whether it even be loss of life, Lord, you help us to keep our eyes upon you and realize that you are good. You are good. Lord, if we got what we deserved, Lord, none of us would be where we are. Lord, I ask you now for power and boldness. Give me liberty for the next few minutes, dear God, to speak to the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Amen. The Lord is good. That's what the scripture says. The Lord is good. <clears throat> Let me, for time's sake, and I can't go into all that is involved here with, the, with Nahum and the whole story here, but God explains some things and God reveals some things about Himself. But before the Scripture shows us that God is good, He shows us something here that leads up to that. First, He tells us in verse number two that God is jealous. He's a jealous God. 
And let me make sure I clarify something here when I talk about the jealousy of God. I'm not talking about the jealousy of man, which is based on a sinful jealousy. I'm talking about a godly jealousy. I'm talking about a jealousy that speaks that speaks of of uh, the the godly jealousy is when God when someone is jealous of someone who they love and that nothing comes between them and God. Nothing between comes between them and it's like the husband who's jealous of his wife who he loves so much and he's just trying to protect his relationship. Worldly jealousy is when you want more than what you have. You want to get things from other people. And the Bible tells us that, that God is jealous. And He is jealous because He loves us. Amen. He is jealous because He cares about us. Amen. He is jealous because He created us. <coughs> That's right. If you was to go back to Exodus chapter number 20, you would find in the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not, not make any uh, unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything in heaven or above. Thou shalt not bow down thyself, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Amen. See, He loves us. He created us. And what was going on in this country, what was going on in this city, is these people had turned to God. They had turned to Him for a revival. But now, 100, 125 years later, they've fallen into idolatry. Right. They've fallen into sin of idolatry. You say, well, what is idolatry, preacher? That is where a group of people begin to love things of the world more than they love the things of God. And they begin to worship those things. And anything a man puts ahead of God is idolatry. Right. Whether, it be, whether it be a golden statue that you bow down and pray to, or whether it be sports, or whether it be activities, whether it be anything. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Brother Kevin, speaking from uh, personal experience, I see in 2020... The average church member is way more in love with the things of this world than they are God. And he's a jealous God. He's a jealous yeah, God. Man. Hey, but we can get to a place in our life that no matter how much he loves us and he does love us, Amen. that we don't feel the presence of his love because we are indifferent. Because if we live our lives under an umbrella of sin, don't expect God's love, uh, sunshine, to come shining through. Yeah, man. My, my uh, battery is low or something's going on there. You might want to click on mine. I don't know what it is. Lost live feet. I can't tell what it is. That's good. Is that what it was? Low battery. It shouldn't be. It was at 90%. Anyways, he hates what we're doing when we turn and begin to worship other things. <clears throat> Put them in front of him. It's much like the parent. It's much like the parent who, who loves his children and they run away and they fall into wickedness. They don't call. They don't see them for a long time. Can I tell you that that parent still loves his children just as much as he ever did? Just as much as he ever did, but that child doesn't feel that love because he has turned away from him and allowed something to become more important when we give in to the sin of idolatry, the following after the world's crowd, <laughs> following after the devil's crowd, can I tell you tonight, you're not going to feel God's goodness. You're, right. you're not going to feel God's 
mercy if we're living like that. So first we see God is jealous. The second thing I want you to notice as he speaks here to the city of Nineveh, <coughs> the Bible tells us in verse number two that the Lord is furious. Amen. He is furious. Anything God does is right. And always remember that. Whether we like it or not, God's never wrong. And God is running the universe. He loves you and he loves me. And nothing we can do can change him from loving us. But can I tell you something? He hates sin. He hates idolatry. He hates sin. <clears throat> Just like a, a mama would hate a, a rattlesnake that would bite her child. He hates sin. Just like a gardener would hate the weeds right. in his garden. He hates sin. Sin drives a wedge between God and Amen. man. The Bible says in Isaiah that sin separates us from him. It keeps us from having a relationship with him. And he is furious about that. Amen. God is furious with Nineveh. God is furious with Nineveh. And people think that they can just kick sand in God's face. But can I tell you, he talks about the drying of the river. The Babylonian Empire crossed the Tigris River when it's dried up, but they normally wouldn't be able to do that and take over Nineveh not long after this because they refused to get right. God will judge. God will judge. No sin, the Bible says, will go unpunished. Yeah, God man. is good. God is good. Yeah, man. God is merciful. God is love. But God is jealous. Yeah, God man. is furious. The Bible also tells us in verse number 3 that God is slow to anger. Verse number 3, I'm telling you the Lord is slow to anger. Hey, listen, God sent Jonah 150 years prior to this, 125 years prior to this. He's had given there a chance. There's been time. They had one of the greatest revivals in the history of the Lord of God. God is just... God is just uh, uh, trying to uh, to get the people to get right. He's been so gracious. Hey, can I tell you, God's been gracious and slow to anger with me. He has taken care of me, but his fury will come. Can I tell you, his fury will come. Amen. What we're seeing is just a, just, just a little whiff of what can take place. Just a little scent right. of what's going to take place That's during right. the tribulation period. It's just a little scent a whiff of what's going to happen. Can I promise you tonight, you cannot live and sin and do whatever you want to and fall into idolatry and just follow after the ways of this world and not expect to have repercussions. I promise you, and He promises you, I promise you, uh, God is against, God is against this idolatry. <coughs> Why would we want to fight against a holy God? Be kind of like the beard and bears playing the Kansas City Chiefs. In a football game, not much of a chance would they have. Amen. I see God is jealous. God is furious. God is slow to anger. But now for the next couple minutes, let me talk about this. God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever and ever to all generations. So I will stand up and see. Praise, hallelujah, for Amen. the Lord is good. Amen. Can I tell you, most Christians today are not experiencing the goodness of God. They're not experiencing the goodness of God. You say, why not, preacher? Because of idolatry. Because right. of sin, of right. materialism. 
Because they're so concerned about the temporary things of this life. They're missing out on the goodness of God. Amen. They're getting it. A good friend of ours wrote this little tune. We sing it at church camp. It says, God is good and God is right. God is good both day and night. He's always good, so never fear. God is good and always near. But can I tell you tonight, if we spend our lives making God jealous, if we spend our lives making God furious, we spend our lives waiting, making God wait for us to live right, we're not going to experience His goodness. But let me just show you a couple of things here about this thought of God is good. The Bible says in verse number 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Amen. Can I tell you, this is what God wants to be to you and to me. As we're going through this time of crisis, it's killing our economy, it's going to hurt our churches, it's going to hurt, <coughs> excuse me, there's going to be many people become sick and lives are going to be lost. Can I tell you that we cannot find help and hope in temporary things. Amen. But we can find help and hope That's right. in God. Amen. He's the Lord. The Lord is a rock in a weary land. Amen. He's my rock. He's my shield. He's my Savior. Amen. He's a strong in the time of trouble. Yes. He is good. But the secondary, he shows us how he's good and he knows who's trusting him. Amen. See, he's fair and he knows who's trusting him. I'm glad I'm not going to get lost in the suffering. <laughs> I'm glad he knows my name. That went off again. He knows my name. I don't know if I shut it off or not. I don't. He knows my name. He knows who's trusting him tonight. He, 10%. he knows he's having a ulcer attack because they're so worried about everything going on and not trusting in the Lord. He knows. The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever and ever. To all generations, so I will stand up and sing praise, hallelujah, for I know the Lord is good. Christians tonight, there's a lot of people that are getting to experience the goodness of God because of Christians. There's a lot of people tonight who are not experiencing the goodness of God. And God's goodness isn't in material things always. His goodness isn't always in, in health. His goodness is in his presence. Amen. In his presence there is joy beyond all measure. I challenge you tonight, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, would you get that settled? Amen. If you died today, do you know for sure you would go to heaven? Is he your Savior? Or just someone you talk about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask you please now to convict us tonight. First, let me talk to anyone out there that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would turn to the Lord. 
they would turn their put their faith in him and call upon him and ask him to come into their life and save them and forgive them of their sin and take them to heaven when they die. But Lord, I also want to talk to Christians tonight, Lord, and I beg that you do too. Lord, if there's Christians tonight, Lord, that that aren't living for you and they're, they're so far away from you and they don't even understand the goodness that we're talking about here, Lord, I pray that you would convict them. Lord, I ask you these things in your will. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. And amen. Listen to me tonight. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you contact myself or Brother Trenton. We can take a Bible and show you how. We can do it on the phone. You come call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. If you're a Christian tonight and you've given in to materialistic idolatry and your whole life is in an absolute turmoil because of what's going on. I challenge you to find your strength in Him. God bless you. We're going to bind together as a family here in just a moment and get, gather on these pews and we're going to pray for you and pray for our country and I challenge y'all to do the same thing at home. God bless. Thank you so much for listening.